everybody, welcome back to Comic School. I am really, really excited um, for this episode. Um, we got Jim Amoli Anderson in the house. Uh, and to just give you a little bio, um, he is the owner of Grio Enterprises and it, creator of its flagship property, The Horseman, which is thoroughly good. Check that out. Um, he has written the Educational Text Manifesto, The Tao of Jibamola Anderson, as well as Chronicle the Art of Jibamola Anderson, and maintains the Afro Soul Chronicles as a blog dedicated to the discussion of race, politics, and the business of popular culture. Uh, Mr. Anderson is also part of the fine art community, having various one-man and group shows, including being featured in the book Black, Black Comics, which if you can get Black Comics or Black Comics Returns, uh, go do that. That's also amazing. And um, and so we just want to welcome uh, you to the show, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Appreciate it. Man, abs thanks for thanks for agreeing to to be with us on the show. Um, so to the way we've been doing this is um, a couple of things. Is first, all good comics discussions, um, I think, start with a, a, a origin story, right? Oh. So so what? What's your origin story in terms of comics? Like, how did you come into the uh, the medium, not the as we know, not the genre, but the medium of, the of comics medium. and narrative art? Gotcha. Well, um, so uh, first thing is that um, I was lucky to be born into a family of creatives. You know, so so like so like my dad is an architect, right? My mom, my mom did, she did the sewing thing, she did the crafts, so on and so forth. It's like, I got family on both sides, mom and dad sides as artists and educators. Like I'm the oldest of four. All my siblings were all creatives, like younger brothers, graphic designer, web designer. Um, you know, baby bro is a photographer. You know, baby sis is a hair and makeup artist, so. So first of all, like in art, I was like born in art, you know what I wow. mean? And into the art world. Um, when I was a little kid, you know, uh, back in the 70s, of course, I globbed on to the Batman TV show, which were in reruns mm -hmm. and whatnot. And um, I, started, I, I started drawing at a very young age. I recorded as five. My parents recorded as earlier. And, you know, um, and one of the first things that I remember drawing, of course, stick figures drawing Batman. Mm -hmm. And one day my pops uh, came home from work and he brought some comic books because my dad was also is also a comic book fan as well. And so the first book that he gave me, of course, was Batman. And that's good parenting. That's just yeah. for those of you listening, that is that is how it's done. Yeah. And actually and actually uh, my brother and I are carrying on the tradition uh, with my nephew, who's six right now. So he's indoctrinated into the world as well. So he's, yes, he's truly Anderson. Um, but uh, but uh, definitely um, ever since that time, ever since I was a little kid, I was always uh, in, involved and enamored with drawing and drawing characters and drawing superheroes. When I was seven, I knew that I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a commercial artist. 
Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I'm, I was just I was just that kid. I was just that kid. Right. Um, and the reason why I decided I want to be an artist is because to me it felt like playing. And I read this book about a freelance artist, and I thought to myself as a kid, it's like, ooh, if I could play every day and make money from that, that'd be awesome. Uh, when I was eight, you know, because of hero worship of my dad, I wanted to be an architect. Then right. I found out about the math and that you couldn't draw people, and I was like, yeah, I'm not good with that. Um, but it was around <laughs> the age of it was around the age of ten where I said to myself, okay, yo, I want to do comics. I want to I want to make comics. And it wasn't like I wanted to draw for DC or I wanted to draw for Marvel at the time. I straight up wanted to make comics, like my own comics. You wanted to be a publisher. Um, at the time, I didn't know that I wanted to be a publisher. Right. But this was also the time, like, I was reading stuff like ElfQuest, you know? And, um, Shout out ElfQuest. Yeah, and <laughs> the indie market was starting. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was, like, really beginning to blow up later on. I was really influenced by... Matt, Matt, Matt Wagner's uh, Mage, you know, mm -hmm. I was uh, with First Comics, with Warp and all that other stuff. So I was like reading, I was reading comics beyond the corporate two, even from an early age. And for me, reading those comics outside of the corporate two allowed me to think that, yeah, I can be in this industry because I don't have to be held back by these two companies. And so from that age of 10 on, like my whole mission was to become adept at the art form of making comics from the penciling to the inking, to the coloring, to the writing, to the lettering. Eventually, you know, as I grew up and became a graphic designer and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It got to the page layout and the whole nine. And when I was working in advertising, it was all of, when I was working in advertising, that's when Grio Enterprises really was forming. I mean, it started forming in grad school, the idea of it, but the actual creation of the company and the actual production of um, the books started, you know, after grad school and when I was in advertising and, so, yeah, so when I call comics an art form, not a genre, that's real talk. Mm -hmm. that, <laughs> absolutely. I remember um, I remember the first time I saw Matt Wagner's stuff was Grendel, and that just yeah. kind of blew that kind of blew my mind um, um, early on. Um, so when you're thinking about your grad school, you're thinking about putting together Griot Enterprises, um, can you talk a little bit about why you? why you called it Grio Enterprises and what you cut what your vision for that that entity would be you know what I mean does that question make sense yeah no it totally makes sense so um actually when I was in grad school <clears throat> I um had my thesis right, right. as one and does <laughs> right. And so my and I went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. OK. OK. Well, so, yeah, so <laughs> I was I was, yeah, in the ivory tower and whatnot. And my thesis was going to be a book about 
the history of black superheroes and tying it in and referencing African mythology. So actually the horseman came out of my thesis and ultimately four pages, 16 bars of visual mixtape came out of my thesis as well. So it was like that idea split into the two things that I'm, I'm, I'm best right. known for. Right. Um, so at the ivory tower, you know, uh, there was a little bit of resistance. They're like comic books, harumph. What? But was there? <laughs> a, a little bit, a little bit. But my advisors saw what I was really getting at. Um, and it helped being a viscom major, visual communications sure. major. Sure. Yeah. So the whole design aspect came into it as well. And that's when I came upon my philosophy that um, comics are the ultimate expression of graphic design. If you take into account like an idea that graphic design is the synthesis of image and text combining together to create a new message, that's what comic books are all about. So during that time when I was doing that, um, I had done my first comic book work uh, with Lamoris Richmond for his book, JBD. So mm -hmm. automatically getting into the comic book industry, I like worked on the most radical black comic <laughs> book ever created that we're still afraid to really put out there because people <laughs> won't understand it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know, so so ju from Jump, my first um, my first comic book experience was like this radical political thing, right? And the best, the best comics are, by the way. Yeah. But, but 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 I get you. I get you. <laughs> right, right, right. So when it came time to really get into the industry, it was myself and um, two other cats, uh, Kenji Jumani Marshall being one of them, um, who I've known since high school. Uh, at a, at a certain point, we were like, "Yo, why?" Are we trying to wait for somebody to discover us when we can discover ourselves? And the name Grio came from actually when I was an undergrad before I moved to Chicago and some cats wanted to start a magazine and they wanted to call it Grio Magazine because Grio means storyteller. That magazine never happened. So yep. <clears throat> the night of uh, the Saturday uh, showing of the Motor City Comic Con, you know, me, Kenji, and the other cats would get together and we're like, yo, let's start a comic book company. And we're like, cool, word. What are we going to call it? And I was like, <laughs> yo. And everybody was like, bet. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's nice when you're just like, no, that's that that was the answer the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you just say, yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you know, uh, we're, we're predominantly... We were predominantly African and African-American. We were very, we're all very aware. We're all very conscious, conscious, you know what I mean? With yeah. me being um, bicultural, you know, my mother is Liberian. My father is African-American. You know, having the African uh, connection and context in the company um, just made sense. It was just logical. And, you know, the tagline for Griot is like, we tell great stories because that's what Griots do. They tell stories, you know? So good. It's, it's so good. <laughs> what, what, what are you all about? 
uh, we tell great stories, right? Like it's, right. this is what, but that's a deeply, not only is that a really good marketing tagline, that is a deeply political statement. It's a deeply cultural statement as well. So it's not, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. And the whole notion of like, you know, whether or not we were going to do at black characters or mm -hmm. black stories, that we never had that debate either. I mean, that just was like, yeah, we're black. You know what I mean? And and <laughs> we've got something to say. I mean, the reason why the reason why the horseman became um my first title out of Grio Enterprises um was not because I had the idea for a long time. Actually, um the fellas they wanted me to do another concept. But when I was doing my thesis mm -hmm. and uh coming up with the idea that every chapter would be titled after an Arisha of the, you know, Aoife faith and whatnot. Um, I had a moment where, you know, finally I had this idea of illustrating African gods and goddesses, an idea that I've had since I was like 16. Right. Um, and the next question was, okay, do I dress them in traditional African dress because this is a book about superheroes. Right. And this is when I had my Jack Kirby moment. I was like, yo, wait a minute. Jack Kirby took Asgardian myth and made it sci-fi and superheroes. I can do the same thing with African myth. And in that thesis, then I was like, okay, this idea is too cool to just be my thesis. Right. This is gonna be my book from Rio yeah. Enterprises. Right. And initially, the fellows were like, oh, you're doing superheroes. That's kind of mainstream. And I was just like, yo, here's the concept. Boom. And they were all like, oh, OK. Yeah, bet. yeah, yeah. The horse. Yeah. <laughs> we've been on we've been on board the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 but yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was just a, it was just a quick it, it was just a quick way to convince them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, I'm coming at it from a whole different level because. Mm -hmm. My idea was that there were great black heroes yes. um, that have already existed, especially around 97, 98, when I was in grad school. But at the time, I was like, there hasn't been an iconic superhero team that were black folks. And not taking away from Tribe at all, which was a heavy, heavy, heavy influence, you right, know, right. like like Todd Johnson, I knew Todd Johnson when I shopped in his comic book store when I was in high school. Right. You know, I loved Tribe. Of course, yeah. loving Milestone, mm -hmm. loving Blood Syndicate. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't see was I didn't see our Justice League. I didn't see our Avengers. I That's was it. like, like everybody who wanted to put together an iconic black superhero team, it's like they had to pull from different companies. It's like, okay, well, yeah. black from here, steal from here, spawn, mm -hmm. storm, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I wanted to just have that team. And it's, it's and, interesting, especially, right, like in, in Milestone, um, in particular, coming up when it did. So that's the 90s, right? Besides, it's, yeah. So it's grit and pockets, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, You're right. right. Exactly. Grit and cargo pants. So, and they were taking a big risk, right? And so they had to be like, well, we got to kind of, straddle this line right like what's selling and then put our put our spin on it 
Right. And so, yeah, you got Blood Syndicate and you got and, and, and you got Static and all like just a bunch of amazing things. But as you said, there was something, you know, there, there was something there that an additional story that needed telling. Right. Because Blood Syndicate yeah. was not that was definitely not the Avengers. Right. No, of course. Um, they were a gang, you know. Right. I kind of I rock it like that was a Superman story. But it wasn't the Avengers or or, right. or the Justice League. So I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, um, and what I realized, or in my studies, it's like you know superheroes are American mythology. Right. And so, and that American mythology has been based on Greco-Roman mythology, Judeo-Christian myth. You know, a very um, appropriated. A version of like Egyptian myth and you know right. Asian philosophies and whatnot, and so for me, in order to create that iconic superhero team, black superhero team, I had to go back to African mythology. And if you can guess by now, mythology was always like a big sub thing that I was into. Of course, um, no, that <laughs> right. So with that, I was like, oh, okay, let me go to. You know, let me go to African mythology. Let me go to the Orishas, and I'm gonna make the Orishas superheroes. And chugga chugga chugga, <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, <laughs> no, and it's. It, I mean, that makes to me it makes complete um, it makes complete sense, right? Because mm -hmm. no one, and I think this is interesting. That, that no one, well, and I wasn't alive maybe in the 60s, but no one was like, you can't do that with Thor. <laughs> you can't do that with Loki. You can't do that with literally Hercules, right? <laughs> right? right. So, so this notion of, yeah, that makes total, you know, and as you said, um, that, that's an homage or sort of, uh, you know, an outgrowth of that Kirby. They were just trying to do stuff that nobody had <laughs> copyrights on, but... Right. You make something out of nothing, and, and and you bring in who you are. You bring in yourself to the medium, right? Um, and and so uh, again, that's uh, if you haven't checked out Horseman, um, and you are just looking for something to read, um, press pause, go read it, and then come back. Welcome back. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I will say this because I was just thinking about it today. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do like a little uh, coronavirus package of the individual issues from the first book, Divine Intervention, and also throw in um, the digital version of the Union book that I just did and also Contrast Blackness and White. Um, when I'm actually done with this interview, I'm going to slap that together so people can grab that at an that. extremely reduced price from uh, drivethroughcomics.com. Yes. You know, like, yes, yes, like yes. I'm going to take it back to, for this little package, people are getting, they're going to get like five books, like over, I don't know, like Contrast is 48 pages, the other four books are 32 pages a piece, and I may do it for as low as $3 just to give, you, get, you know. You get that bunker package. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's exactly what I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna, I was wondering what I was gonna call it. I'm gonna call it the bunker package. Yes, yes, the bunker. bunker. All right. Oh, no, see, and, and <laughs> see, this is why. Okay, and we were talking about. We're doing. By the way, you're out in New York. You know, you're in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I'm in 
I'm I'm still in the Midwest, but we're doing a great job of social distancing um, in terms of physical. But you can still collab. You can still. That's the nice part about living in the future, is yeah, we may be we may be living in the first couple chapters of uh, Parable of the Sower, but um, <laughs> but we can still build. Um, right. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a big heavy hitter question, and then you just take it how you want. Why do comics matter? We were talking about this a little bit um, before we started. And um, yeah, we're in this, we're in, we'll call them interesting times. Yes, um, interesting times. And so, and so we got, they, they, people are anxious, people are, you know, trying to survive. And we're, we're, we're doing a podcast about comics. So why do comics, in your mind, you know, as a creator, as somebody who's loved it from your entire life, and as mm -hmm. dedicated, you know, you're you're teaching a course on comics, uh, and I want to talk about that. Yeah, you're creating a course, creating a yeah. course. Yeah, excuse, excuse me. But why do they matter? I mean, comics matter first of all because art matters, right? Art Reach. completely matters. Anybody who tells you that art doesn't matter, ask them. Look at the hat that you're wearing. Look at the symbol on your T-shirt. Look at your shoes. Heck, if you're online right now, yeah, you were looking at a movie, you know what I mean? You were looking at a cartoon, so on and so forth. You need that in your life. Art makes you feel human. Um, in terms of comics, as I said before, especially with the superhero, comics are American mythology. Mm-hmm. Like, comics have always been political. Comics have always been forward-thinking. Um, even in the 90s, when you had a bunch of cats regressing, you know, comics have always been forward-thinking. I mean, Superman was a social justice warrior from jump. Mm -hmm. You know, first issue of Action Comics, number one, that dude was beating up wife beaters, he was like taking out union busters. That's right. Like, That's right. He was he was for the common man, right? right? Captain America, number one, the cover. He's socking Hitler in the snot box. Stop. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Wonder right. Woman. Wonder Woman is arguably the first queer character. Bet. Right? Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, Spider-Man. Spider-Man was the hero that could be you. You know, that sort of thing. Um, even when you get into the 80s and you get into the politics of the 80s, I mean, and the early 90s, I mean, think about Howard Chaikin's American flag. Uh, think about, you know, uh, Frank Miller's Give Me Liberty, right? Mm -hmm. You know, before, yes. before Frank became Uncle Frank and went a little crazy, I mean, right. he created a book based, he created a, a black woman who grew up at the time in Cabrini Green, right? Yeah. And she yeah. is single-handedly, in a sense, taking on an entire corrupt government that is looking to kill her. You in, know what I mean? In multiple, in multiple ways, right? In multiple physically, ways. Physically, mentally, psychologically, so, yes. Like the whole thing, like, you know, people, they talk about Sin City and, and The Dark Knight Returns. It's like, no, if you want if you want to see Frank Miller at his best, like with the illest allegory pickup, give me liberty. Like, yeah. that's 
like that's the joint right there. Do you remember that splash? There was a splash page, and it's it's the a bald eagle and yes, a black bald, panther. panther, and it's yes. a yin yang symbol, yes. and I'm just like, okay, Frank yes. Miller, yes. let me go write a whole dissertation on this image. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so you know, comic books matter because of the fact that they show us who we are, mm-hmm. and they show us who we could be. And, and what a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm diverting for a little bit, with a lot of these comics gate cats mm. don't <laughs> understand about, and I blame this on 90s comics, a lot of 90s comics, is that um, above and beyond the power fantasy, like, you know, the quote-unquote anti-hero, that right. sort of thing, you know, that whole wave of of pouches and gritted faces and, you know, badly drawn women with impossible um, and horrible anatomy and spina no. bifida and all that other stuff. <laughs> I was going to say no bones, no right. skeletal structure. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Um what they don't understand is like, you know, those comics of the times did not inspire you to be better people. Right. Like those comics did not inspire you to be a hero. Right. You see what right. I mean? Yeah. And for me, I've always been about heroes. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as complicated and as diverse as possible, it's always been about the hero. Like, right. you know, Batman, you know, they love they love calling him a psychopath and yada yada. Batman was always a hero. Mm-hmm. Superman was always a hero. Captain mm-hmm. America was always a hero. Wonder mm-hmm. Woman was always a hero. The Black Panther has always been a hero. Mm-hmm. So on and so on and so forth. And they all gave you visions of being better people. That's right. And that, you know, and that to me, and we were talking a little bit about this. Um, you know. Jay's Baldwin talks about what is the artist's responsibility, right? To disturb the peace. And I was thinking, just thinking about that in terms of, you know, when the when the status quo, right, is as you said, pouches and toxicity. Perhaps one of the radical moves is hope. And here yeah. disturbing the peace is to provide heroes and hope in meaningful, productive, humanizing ways. You know what I mean? Right. Right, exactly. I mean, that was one of the things with the horsemen that I wanted to do. It's like, you know, yeah, the world of the horsemen is complicated. You know right. what I mean? It's a it's a mythological world. It's a science fiction world. It's a world rooted and steeped um, in African spirituality as much right. as it is world mythology. Right. Um, but the thing that I always wanted to make sure of is that the horsemen are heroes. And on top of that, the horsemen question their actions. They just don't do stuff and fly away. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just leave leave the city just in rubble. No, no, they they don't. They They don't. They they are literally trying to build a better world. And they're doing it because they're trying to fortify the world in what's really coming down the pike. Um, But in their actions and the things that they do, they question it. Um, You know, I'm not going to spoil it when I put together the bunker bundle. Because you got to get that bunker bundle. Right, right. But there is something that Shango 
does that the rest of the team is like, fuck did you just do? Why didn't, excuse my French, but like. like, That's fine. That's fine. Like, like, what were you thinking? Right. Why were you doing it? And even after um, the world that comes from that action happens. Right there is still ramifications to that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, even after that happens, it's like, yeah, you know, some of the things that we do in the book, it's like, I talk about things in a real way, right? Um, there is a situation where there are some black racist nationalists, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, because that's a logical, you know, that was a logical progression um, from that action and also seeing how some cats, you know, interact online, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, yep. uh, you know, talking about like black Israelites and some of the more problematic um, actions of, uh, you know, black power and the black power movement, which mirror you know, the KKK, which mirror the alt-right movement, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I talk about the nature of power and what's re- and what, what power really is and yeah. what power should be used for. Right. So, you know, talking about why comics are important, I'm able to do that in a situation where we got pretty comics, explosions, you know what I mean, dimensions colliding, the whole nine. Right. But we can still talk about those um, those touchier subjects. Right. It reminds me of, and and this is, you know, this is a compliment. It, that kind of thing reminds me of what Derek Bell is doing in Space Traders, for example, right? Like this notion of, it's in the future, it's in, like, it's all of these things that are seemingly wild, and uh, go read that. Go read that short story, Derek Bell's sci-fi masterwork. Um, and it gives us that uh, that I don't want to say I'll, I'll say affective distance, right? So it's not it, we can talk about those things that we feel very very strongly about, but there's the cape provides distance for us to be to not take it like as a personal attack. We can look right. at it. We can look at it sociopolitically. We look at it culturally. We can look at it without feeling like, oh, this is a statement on you. You know, I'm being attacked, right? Right. Um, right. And, and I think that's one of the political and cultural functions that that comics can can serve because um, it's 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 neat. Because have you seen some of the have you seen Superman uh, smashes the clan yet by Gene uh, Gene Yang? I haven't read it yet. I've you know, of course, I've seen it everywhere. I'm aware of it. <laughs> Glad that it's really there. Good. I'm I'm very happy that it's there. You know. Right. Um. And you know, I was thinking about those overtly political pieces, and that story's from the 30s, right? He's just kind of yeah. updating it. Mm-hmm. Um. And so they've always been this political, this this way to think about, you know, if he had just come out and been like, let's talk about immigration without right. Superman, people would be like, just it's turn off the old transistor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just turn off the transistor radio or whatever. But, you know, you got soups in there. So he's like, okay, I'll give it a, let me, okay. Um, and, 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 you know, and that, that tradition continues up through, you know, what G. Willow Wilson uh, is doing with Ms. Marvel um, with, um, 
with David Walker and Sanford Green's Bitter Root, which Bitter Root. How about that? Man, man. So yeah, how first of that? all, first of all, David and Sanford are my homies. They've been my homies for years. Um, you know, I love everything that they do. You know what I mean? I, I love everything that they do, and then they come with bit of root and it's like okay so y'all just gonna continue to make me broke that's fine <laughs> you know right and I, i've told david i was like can you just leave my wallet alone for like a month okay? no, no. and he's like nope. no because i will not because now he's coming out with the hated with sean yes. hill which yes I, which is which great kickstarted yeah, and started that and so yeah no they they continue to take my money right and um, and I kind of hate them for that, but that's but, all right. But no. It's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's one, you know, it's one love, by the way. Uh, and my class actually read Bitterroot um, as as a run-up um, right before spring break. Um, but to talk about, you know, um, and then I think uh, Chuck's got on a stump, which is, <laughs> which is unbelievable. I just picked up, picked up the first issue. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, but they can be, my point is, those are deeply political comics out of, I mean, that's what images we'll call it the number number, number three. three. It's a big one. Yeah. It's it's a major publication. Yeah. But those are explicitly political and cultural books. Right. Right. And, and I appreciate the fact that image. I appreciate what image became yeah. after yeah. after the original iteration of image. Like it I definitely love isn't pockets and poorly drawn people anymore. Right, right. But it it has evolved into yeah the number three publisher putting out like this amazing work. I mean yeah you have yeah. Bitter Root, you have On the Stump, you have Excellence, you have Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Yep. You have East of West, you have Velvet, you have Lazarus, you have yeah. like uh, Black Science, like. Like y'all, y'all press pause again and write those down because if you haven't read any of those, you got you got your homework missing out. Like Horizon, yep. yeah, I was name dropping yep. two books from Brandon Thomas, another homie. Um, like, Brandon's work is amazing, but yeah, but, so, <laughs> again, but you know, but yeah, I mean, Image became the place where people could. Oh, I forgot about Bitch Planet. People could, mm-hmm. really, you know what I mean, really like get into the concept, right. you know what I mean, and create something that was different than the slog from the corporate two. That's right. You know, because right now with the corporate two, I mean, because of the fact that we, you know, they're owned by, I call them corporate two because they're owned by corporations, corporations. right? So, you know. Oh, oh, it's Disney money. Black yeah. Panther made Disney some money. Just- a lot of money, you know what I mean? Like, Warner Brothers <laughs> right. is still trying to figure it out. The CW is doing great. It's yep. like they finally the can figure yeah. out with the, you know, with the movies yep. and whatnot. Yep. But, yep. but, yeah, definitely all they're doing is managing the IP, you know? Right. So right. you're not going to get anything groundbreaking coming from DC or Marvel anymore. You're just not. And it, if... I would liken it to dipping, like they're playing in a kiddie pool in some ways. And by that, I mean, this is not an insult because, I mean, we've had the, if you haven't picked up um, David and Sanford's run on Power, Iron Man, uh, Power, Power Man Iron Fist, holy Man. moly. There's Man. a, I mean, just go do that. Or, so or, they're or doing some stuff. David's Nighthawk. 
if it's Nighthawk, right. And that's a Marvel book, but yeah. but it is it is kind of dipping the toes in, right? It's 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 like, okay, yeah, we got we 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 got that for you if you want it. Whereas in a lot of ways, Image just kind of has jumped off the diving board into the deep end. It's just like, hey, right. this is this story where politicians literally beat each other physically right. up. <laughs> Which, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um but, you know, it's Look, there's a little bit of schadenfreude there. It's like, yeah, get him. Right. right. <laughs> you know what the ironic thing about um, the corporate two was? Is like the corporate two were way more progressive before people took notice. That's right. If you think about Apollo and the Midnighter, if you think about Batwoman, right. you know what I mean? You, you, you. You think about Captain America. You remember Cap when he was fighting the hate monger and right. it turned out to be Richard Nixon? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like Christopher Priest's run right. on Black Panther right. set, it, set everything up. You know what I mean? That's like, right. you, you know, like they were, they were doing things. Like if you think about vertigo and you think mm -hmm. about what was going on with doom patrol and you think about what was going on with hellblazer and swamp yes, thing yes, and yes, yes. you know they they actually in the sandman i mean they set the tone for this um different thinking coming from comics and now you've got these cats who were just reading the image books of the early '90s and stuff like that. Right now, they're now they're talking about well SJWs, you know. And then also you have the corporate two now in this pander mode, right. right? Right. When before, like the joint was already set up. Like even if you think of, like even if you go as far back as the '80s and the '70s, I mean, like ElfQuest was radical as hell. You, you know what One I'm saying? One of my oh my gosh. One of my gateways right there. You know, but, like... But yeah, it was a deeply like radical another, book. Yeah. Right, like another Matt Wagner title that people don't talk about, The Aerialist, was like radical as hell because that was all about a world where homosexuality was the normal, was the norm, and heterosexuality was the deviance. Right. You, right. you, you see what I'm saying? Yep. Like, yep. you know, cats, cats don't... It, Cats don't really know about the history when they talk about this and stuff. That, and that's the thing is, and and, and might, I, might I also add what you said about comics in some ways is also true. My other my other research interest is hip hop. And right. The same idea is it's like people were doing some some radical fear of a black planet mm -hmm. stuff, and then people started paying attention, and then you know, corp, it's 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 a similar trajectory. Right, it's but it's about, right? right? But I think it's really interesting what you said is it's about asking the questions. It's about thinking differently, right? Mm -hmm. And it is always, there's a history of people taking risks in comics, but on, on titles that are about to get canceled, like X-Men or, right. yeah. <laughs> or Green Lantern, Green, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Or Marvel, right? because, period. Or Marvel, period. No, that's right. No, but that's that notion of the tension, which is which is why I think it's so great. You know, with thinking about Griot Enterprises and thinking about the the contemporary right where we're about to let's grassroots fund it, right? And so that gets back into, in my mind, the 
that gets back to the roots of, hey, we're just going to make, I'm going to make this in my basement, you know, yeah. or I'm going to make this on my terms, on my own, um, you know, the way we used to. Uh, I, I just found, for me, one of my first drawings, um, and I'm not a comics artist, uh, but one of my first drawings, I remember, uh, do you remember the Rocketeer? Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. one, I've spent all, I spent, I, I mean, that was, I was, I was like Van Gogh in my mind. I was like, oh, this is, I'm going to do this whole, I, I had a, it was on a, one of those like craft canvases, you know what I mean? They're flat, they're like cardboard. Yeah, <laughs> <And> I, was, <laughs> I still got that. I still have that somewhere. I should, I should post, I should share that. But, but it's that notion of, Hey, we're going to make this ourselves. I've got a vision. I'm going to do it the way I want to. Right. Um, so, I mean, I could, man, we could chop this up all day, but I know we've all got, we've got things to do. Um, but that whole notion of, you know, how you were talking about hip hop, I mean, that's, you know, that was why with four pages, 16 bars of visual mixtape, you know, I put the tagline that comics are hip hop because same, it's as you said, similar trajectories. Yes. You know, yes. Similar trajectories, like similar vibes. Like, just like in, there's beef in comics, like there's beef in hip hop, you know? We, we gotta record a, we gotta record another, another session just on that. Cause I yeah. have, I think we both have thoughts. Okay. <laughs> so let's set that up. So Whole stay thought. tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Um, man, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Um, well, thank you for right. helping us, uh, for helping us get through these times, for the work that you do, we'll keep a lookout. Um, when you get the link to the bunker bundle, um, we'll throw it up on our on our webpage. Yeah, um, give me about yeah, give me about 35, 45 minutes. No, no. Look, I got two kids at home. Lying. I'm not gonna get, get to it in 45 minutes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I appreciate you so much. Be well. Um, and then, oh, last thing. Last thing, I'll, I'll maybe put this someplace else. You gotta, can can you talk about that comics uh, joint at all up at up, or or no? Wait, wait, which, which comics? Uh, uh, the comics class. Oh, the comics class. Yeah. So, um, so I'm designing a class called the graphic narrative, and what this class is about, it's not um, a how to draw, it's not a how to write comic books class. It's really. Um, an all-encompassing class uh, talking about some of the things that we were doing. Hey there, kiddo, how you doing? <laughs> like I said. <laughs> right, right. But, um, but it's it's all-encompassing. So, you know, so it starts off with a little bit about the history of comics, you know, with uh, an African-American focus on it. So, you know, really, you like, showing more of um, people of color behind the scenes. And then um, it gets into talking um, about the mechanics of sequential arts and also the mechanics of writing for comics. It's basically uh, it's basically going to be a class where I'm going to be teaching people how I do comics. So taking it from concept to actually okay. taking it to market. So taking it to either a Kickstarter or taking it to print on demand, that sort of thing. So people so the process can be demystified and then we're gonna get into how you gonna make them good content that's, <laughs> that's amazing yeah. all right buddy i as you see i gotta i gotta <laughs> i gotta get rolling right. uh, but i appreciate it we'll, we'll talk again soon yeah definitely man
Definitely. Uh, Thanks thank again you, for everything. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, of course. Of course. All right.